Welcome to the Misfit Stars podcast. I'm Shannon Curtis. And I'm Jamie Hill. Hi, everybody. Hi, Shannon. Hi. Welcome to our day off. Oh, my gosh. It's so great to be here. We're, we're actually not doing day off very well if we're recording a podcast. Oh, but it has to be done. Shoot. <laughs> Sigh. It's okay. You it is what? okay. People, we're going to keep it short because it's our freaking day off. Right. Yeah. We're going to try. It's going to be an eight minute long podcast. Keep it short. We yeah. always say that. It's just, then... just going to be a pitch for you to join Misfit Stars um, and then we're going to end it. No. That's it. Terrible. So later on in this episode, everyone, we're going to be talking about our brand new song, The Shadows. Yeah. Super excited about that. It's mm-hmm. racial justice goodness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But first, people, I am duty-bound, as always, to tell you that Misfit Stars is how our people support the work that we do. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to keep this short this week. Uh, if you've been listening to the podcast for any length of time, you've heard this at the beginning of literally every single podcast. <laughs> It's important to say, but I don't feel like leaning on the details today. But here's the deal. Shannon and I, uh, we do community-supported art and community-supported community building. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's sort of a recursive thing. Our community supports us in building said community. I think it's a worthwhile endeavor. Uh, We would love for you to support the work that we're doing if you're not already. If you would like to do that, A, thank you. B, misfitstars.com slash join. Mm -hmm. End of ad. All right. That That was super brief and good. Yeah. Really punchy, powerful. Thanks. Uh, we've yeah. only got seven minutes left until we're done this episode. <laughs> so, uh, Right on. Well, announcements, announcements, announcements. Oh my gosh, you sort of said it and then pivoted into the song. Just, yeah. That I was did, smooth. That I was had, really good. I had to keep it fresh. Hey, I have one that you didn't even put on the list. Great, what But is I'm going to go first. Uh-huh. Um, and in the spirit of even the, the topic of this podcast today, it, like, it, it all fits in together. Wow, how great. Uh, my announcement is this. Within our Misfit Star social network, which yep. is... Uh, something that you get access to when you become a supporting member of Misfit Stars at misfitstars.com slash join. End of that. Um, uh, within the social network, uh, a couple weeks ago, I asked um, people in there if they would be interested in starting with me and other Misfit Stars, uh, a, a, an anti-racist book and movie club where we could you know, pick a book uh, and or a movie like once a month and read it or watch it and then get together on Zoom and have a, a, a discussion about the book or the film. And there was a ton of response. It was awesome. Yeah. I, like it was really encouraging how many people wanted to be part of this. And I'm so excited about it. Like I'm, I, I always intend to watch the movies that, you know, inspire these ideas. I always, I have a stack of books that I, you know, want to read still. Uh, but this is going to be a great way to sort of keep myself accountable to actually do those things and to do it in community with other people mm-hmm. so we can learn together. I'm so excited about it. Anyway, I have just created a separate space within the Misfit Stars social network for the anti-racist book and movie club. And we are just getting started creating a list of books we want to read and films we want to watch. Uh, we will uh, we, we will start meeting monthly soon. I need to do a survey about like when the days and times are good for people to meet. And also we're freaking busy. So like June and onward. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, well, yeah, I mean like we're, we're, we'll pick, we'll pick a book uh, and, and, or a movie. Actually, we're going to, well, here's the, here's how I'm going to set it up. We're gonna be. We're gonna pick a book and a movie first, and then uh, one month out, we'll schedule a discussion for the film, and then two months out, we will schedule a discussion for the book. And the book and the film won't be related, but I just figure if we keep on that kind of schedule, 
People the should idea be of being, able. It's people, easier to watch a movie than read a book. Yeah, you can read it. You can watch a movie within a month, probably, and it, I this hope will so. give this will give people two months. Unless it's a thirty to, day long movie, right? <laughs> it'll give people two months at a time to acquire and read uh, the book for the book discussion. So yes, yeah, so, so the meetings won't actually start for a little while because of that. Um, but I'm excited. So my Clearly. announcement, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so my my announcement is that if you are in Misfit Stars. And you I'm excited like, too, for the record. Great, that's good. If you are in Misfit Stars and you want to join the Anti-Racist Book and By Movie Club... By the way, Club, the branding is the Misfit Stars Anti-Racist Book and Movie Club. Okay, thank you. So if you want to join the Anti-Racist Book and Movie Club and you are inside Misfit Stars... Uh, I've made a post about it in the social network. You can join. I've, I've provided a link for you to join, or you can just comment on the post and I will invite you. Um, if you are not in Misfit Stars yet and you're like, I want to join the Anti-Racist Book and Movie Club, uh, you got to be a Misfit Star to yeah. join our club. So you, if that describes you, you go to misfitstars.com slash join, join the group, and then we can add you uh, to the to the book and movie club. And awesome. I'm very excited. So that's I'm excited too. Yeah. I think it's really, really cool. I'm so glad you started this. And also like the functionality within our uh, social network for adding a new space to interact around specific issues is really nifty. It's cool, yeah. yeah. It's like a subgroup. Yeah. But it's a part of the main group. Mm -hmm. It's really cool. It's lovely. Okay, what's your announcement? My announcement, people, is that as always, we are collecting people's stories. So uh, this new song, The Shadows, it's about having a racial justice awakening in 2020. Mm -hmm. A lot of people had that as part of their story. Mm -hmm. If this was part of your story, please share that story with us and with the world. It's such an important part of this time. Mm -hmm. uh, just email it to me, jamie at misfitstars.com. So that's if you have a story that you'd be willing to share about having a racial justice awakening in 2020, just email it to me, jamie at misfitstars.com, and we yeah. will add it to our 2020101.net story archive. Yeah, and I want to say also, you know, when we, we say, you know, share your story, the sometimes, some that could be interpreted as like, well, that there's a specific event you're going to tell a story about, and that's not exactly it. It's just no. sharing your experience. Yeah. Like, what was it like for you? Uh, to become, if you became more engaged in racial justice work uh, in your own life or in the world this last year, just we want to hear what the experience was like for you. Yeah. And then how you came to that point or or what you've learned in the time since. So it's not like a story about a particular incident that happened. It's just your your story in a more general sense. Yes, that that's makes, yeah. a great clarification. Yeah. And also, it doesn't have to be a big deal. I think that sometimes people hear this, like right. sometimes I'll message people privately, mm -hmm. like, because I'll post on Facebook, like, hey, has anyone had an experience around blah? And someone will be like, I have. And mm -hmm. so I'll message them privately and I'll be like, hey, would you like to write a little something? And they'll mm -hmm. be like, well, I'm not much of a writer or well, how long does it have to be? Yeah. And I really want to lean on the idea that like it could just be a couple of sentences. Oh, it's true. And recently you've gotten a couple of really short submissions for the previous topic. Which were uh, so great. And honestly, they're so powerful. Like the one sentence, two sentence reflections are yeah. sometimes like... <gasps> Whoa, you yeah. know? Yeah. You, you know how people, like, sometimes you'll see, like, a meme, right? And it'll be, like, <laughs> a picture of a waterfall with, like, a little box in the middle of it. It'll just say, like, two sentences, but it's, like, the most powerful two sentences, yeah. right? And you don't even have to have a waterfall picture. <laughs> you can send me one if you'd like to. If it would be inspiring, I won't use it. Uh, but, you know, yeah, you can write. I mean, literally in the last week, I have gotten a story that is... 10 words mm -hmm. and I have gotten a story that is 2,000 words. Yeah. No kidding. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. literally anywhere in the middle is great. Mm -hmm. So if you are a writer and you feel inspired and you have some free time, go ham. Absolutely. Totally. If you are not 
like any of those things, mm-hmm. then just quick jot down just a yeah. note. Just a note would be great. Come just to make it, it meaningful. However you need it and want to. And then send it to Jamie at MisfitStars.com. There you go. All Love right. It. So uh, how are you feeling, sweetheart? I feel good. Uh, I, uh, I just, this is like, I sound like a broken record, I think. This project, this 2021 OM project has been a lot more intense than I anticipated Same. it would be. And so like, I feel like, you know, I'm super happy with the way this re- most recent song came out. And also I feel like I was crawling across the finish line to, to finish it, you know, like just- Like you're part of it, the writing. Was, well, just, well, yes, the, actually the writing was difficult, but uh, as well, and we can talk about that later in, the, in that section of the podcast, but like, I just feel like the last couple of days, I just emotionally, I've been just on the ground crawling toward the finish line. Yeah. And, you know, so um, I, I feel really good. I feel really good today that we are on the other side of that finish line. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel excited because we're going to get to go see some friends who are vaccinated like tonight. Like we are. We're fully inoculated. <laughs> we are fully vaccinated. Uh, yeah, we were two two weeks past our uh, our last so shot. So we're not just, we're, we were fully vaccinated two weeks ago. Now we're fully inoculated. There you go. Yes. That's so a dis- full distinction potency. there. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's great. So I feel good. I, I, I feel good slash tired slash grateful and generally just just okay. How about you? How are you feeling? Good. I feel happy. I feel uh, tired. <laughs> you know, both things are true. Like I've been having this experience for the last yeah. few nights, last night included, where like I sleep so hard. Mm-hmm. You know, like I wake up from a dead sleep after like eight and a half hours mm-hmm. and still I'm just tired. Yeah. I you know? know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I feel you. I like you have, especially the last couple of days, been working really hard. Yeah. Uh, but it's worth it. I think that the thing we made is cool. Yeah. I really like it. Um, yeah, it's worth yeah. it at the, other, at the other end of it. But man, yeah. 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 So, you know, good. I feel generally good. Good. Uh, you know, excited to have sort of a day off today. <laughs> you know, again, we're kind of screwing up, but Tuesday is Tuesday. Got to do right. the podcast. <laughs> uh, tomorrow, I hope, will legitimately be an actual day off where I do not do S-H-I-T. Yeah. Wow. Spelling out the curse words. Yeah, you know. Uh, you don't just want to say shit on the podcast. Day off of swearing. I guess it's not your day off. Of swearing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, we we never take a day off from that. Amazing. Swearing never sleeps. Well, I'm glad that you're feeling good. Uh, do we have some good news? Fire up the good news machine. Do you have good news? I do. <gasps> My, what is it? Mine is animal related. Oh well, that's always good news. It is, uh-huh. uh, and it's that marine life is making a huge comeback in the Puget Sound. That's so great. Oh, my, so it's local animal life, which is wonderful. Uh, There was just a big sort of news thing about this a couple days ago Mm -hmm. locally. Uh, There are more humpbacks and gray whales, more harbor porpoises and seals, more sea lions and more orcas in these waters than a generation ago. Really? The orcas too? I thought that that was the one thing that was actually still struggling. It's interesting because I thought that too, but I copied and pasted that last sentence. I just read you verbatim from the Seattle Times. And in that same article, it was mentioning how the Chinook salmon had been causing an issue for uh, orca, I, so I don't know which it is. Well, I, there are different populations of orca, so... It could be the southern ones that are still the, having a trouble. The southern resident ones are still having trouble, I think. I think that's actually mm-hmm. maybe what it is because those are the ones that are, I think are most reliant on Chinook salmon. I think you're whose right. Whose ecosystems have been harmed by dams, et cetera, over the last 20 years. And yes, pollution in the water yeah. and warming temperatures and sea 
disease and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that's good news. Yes, it is. What's in your good news machine? I have a couple things. Mm. Um, one of them is that uh, I read that Washington State, our our home state, our adopted home state. Some more local news. Yeah. Uh, is Has become the first state in the nation to ensure that its poorest tenants, people who rent for their homes, you know, that they have access to a lawyer during eviction proceedings. And I just thought, great. I mean, yes. when you're very, like the place where you live, <laughs> when, 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 like, I can't tell you how insecure I always felt as, as a renter. Like just this, even, even when we had stable rent, rental situations, yeah. there was always this underlying stress, this like background noise of stress of like, what if we, you know, aren't able to live here anymore? What if the landlord decides they don't want us to live here anymore yeah. or wants to raise the rent and wants to kick us out? Then what do we do? What There's if just, you have a terrible landlord? Remember that yeah. place we lived oh, in Los Angeles and was, that chick who just made your life a living hell oh, on a daily basis for no good reason? Yeah, it was awful. But I always felt, I always felt like just this, this underlying stress uh, in that power imbalance situation. And like, and I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't have a lot of money at that point in my life, but I wasn't, I wouldn't consider myself to be living in poverty either, you know, like, uh, but so folks who don't have any resources to like hire somebody who knows the law to defend them against evictions that are wrongful mm-hmm. in any way. Like it's just a complete power imbalance. So I'm so gr- I'm so glad to hear that our state will be providing those people with legal representation in those eviction cases. It's really great. I just, I love that. Good news. I love it too. I think it's wonderful. Um, the other good news that I have uh, from the good news machine is that um, I also read in the news this week that the USDA has announced a new effort that is going to feed more than 30 million kids over the summer, this oh, summer. How great. With funding from the American Rescue Plan. Remember oh. the American Rescue Plan, the one that, that was the coronavirus relief you know, bill that got passed, that Biden put forward and that, that Congress passed uh, a couple Do, of months let's ago? Let's be clear. Democrats in Congress passed with no support from Republicans. There was zero Republican votes on this plan. You're right. Yeah, because uh, they don't give a shit. In the House or the Senate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but this plan, funding from this plan is going to help feed 30 million kids this summer, which is just awesome. I mean, an astounding number of kids rely on school meals to get the nutrition that they need yeah, uh, because there are a lot of people who live in poverty in this country yeah. and who live with food insecurity every single day. Yeah. In school times, you know, Kids, families can rely on on their kids getting a healthy meal at least twice a day, breakfast and lunch at yeah. school. Of course, that was thrown into some chaos during the pandemic when schools weren't meeting in person. I know a lot of places transitioned into doing food pickup yeah. or food delivery to those mm-hmm. p- those families who weren't able to get the in school meals that they were used to. Yeah. Uh, but what great news that this can can continue through the summer months, you know, mm. because of the funding in this plan. That was just great news, and I'm happy to hear it, and I'm happy to share it. That's wonderful. It's yeah. so good. Little little things like that just give me hope, you know? We can do so much better with taking care of each other. Yeah. Like there are the resources to do that. We we live with the myth that that resources are scarce. They're not. No. They're not. They have been redirected upward toward the most wealthy in just astonishing numbers. Even yeah. the last year's numbers of the shift toward, you know, more resources going toward the already wealthy is just like, holy moly, mind blowing. Just in this country, uh, I'm pretty sure I have this number right. I know it's a parallel number on either side of the thing I'm about to describe, but like 
people in general in America lost about $3 trillion mm-hmm. of value and net worth in their lives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the what, 10 wealthiest people or whatever gained $3 trillion in value. It's like, hmm, where did those $3 trillion go? Uh-huh. It's yeah. so direct. It yeah. went from us to them. It went from everybody who's from- at average or worse <laughs> to the richest. Yeah. That's just a one-to-one direct correlation. And guess what? It doesn't have to be that way. And also they didn't need it. Right. It, you know who does need it? Us. Right. And it doesn't have to be that way. And we can support leaders who support policies that change that. Also, I just want to put a little pitch in here. Like if you're listening to this and you're like, well, as a conservative, I don't believe in taxes. Let me make an economic argument to you that you will find maybe more appealing than just taxation for taxation's sake. Let's right? hear it. I'm curious. Let's do, right? So the new census numbers got released yesterday mm-hmm. and they demonstrate that uh, population growth over the last decade in the United States is at its slowest since the Great Depression. Mm -hmm. So it's slowest in 90 years, right? This has dramatic economic implications because when you as a country are not having enough of a birth rate, mm-hmm. not enough immigration, not enough births, like mm-hmm. not enough younger people coming into the mm-hmm. population. What you have is an aging population mm-hmm. with not enough new workers to replace that economic output that is lost when people age out of the employment system. Mm-hmm. And also those people need all the stuff that old people need in our country, welfare, you know, mm-hmm. social security, that kind of stuff. Healthcare. Medicare, all of that. Mm-hmm. That has to get paid for. Typically the way it gets paid for is by taxation on the next generation of workers and it just gets paid upwards and upwards and upwards. Right. Well, when you don't have appropriate amounts of growth, A, you don't have as much uh, as many workers c- contributing to the uh, gross domestic product, right. which means that we suffer economically as a country mm-hmm. because we're producing less. Mm-hmm. And B, because we're producing less, there's not enough taxes to pay for the people who need to be taken care of in their old age in mm-hmm. our country. And yet we can generate a lot more tax revenue if we tax the most wealthy at higher rates. And you know what else this will do? What? This will also encourage people to have kids. Oh, yeah. Because people in your and my my generation waited so long to have kids if we had them at all. Right. Like you and I could not afford to have kids. Yeah. We also didn't want them, so that worked out okay for us. But like if right. we had wanted them in our early 30s, nope. it would have been a financial impossibility yeah. because we were living in America, which is just increasingly <laughs> unaffordable. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, as another really solid economic argument for taxation, mm-hmm. if we don't do some aggressive redistribution of oh, wealth yeah. from the very top back down to the rest of us, more people people will continue not to be able to afford to have kids, mm-hmm. which means that this uh, population problem that we're having is mm-hmm. going to be baked into our system. Mm-hmm. This also means, by the way, that there is a strong economic argument to be made for dramatically increasing immigration in our country. Oh, yeah, Because people who, people who are clawing their way to come to this country, they just want to come here because of the promise of America. Well, yeah. what's the promise of America? It's that you can get a good job and work hard and pay taxes. And we need as many people doing that as possible. Yeah, totally. We do not have an overpopulation problem here. We do not have a too many taxpayers problem here. No, we don't. What we need is we need more people having kids and way more immigrants, purely on conservative economic principles. So you made the conservative argument. I really appreciate it. And on on the moral argument, like it is just 
it is ob obscenely immoral for a few people to control so many of the resources that ha that have been and 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 those resources have accumulated to those people not because they've worked the hardest no <laughs> it's because they have the most capital investment and they're they're making money on off of other people's labor yes <laughs> you know it's exploitation it they, is they haven't mastered business they have mastered exploitation yeah. nobody yeah. nobody earns a billion dollars no you can't it's it's physically impossible yeah. to earn a billion dollars yeah <laughs> but you you accrue a billion dollars uh off of the work of a lot of other people who right. are creating it's, that value it's systemic exploitation yeah. that's what it is yeah absolutely like if you look at amazon amazon is a system whose main product is exploitation of workers do you want to expand on that no i think it speaks for okay. itself all right. I, I mean, I, I would love to hear you like, expand on that. Okay. Uh, I will do so briefly because it feels obvious. Uh, Amazon does one thing really well, which is to create, a, they've created an ecosystem of, you know, sales of everything, right? Mm -hmm. Across yeah. the internet. They did that really well. But then secondarily, what they have done is they have created this massive system where the half million people mm -hmm. whom they employ in their warehouses, et cetera, across the country are systemically underpaid for the work that they do. Mm -hmm. That's how they can do things like free two-day shipping to everybody mm -hmm. and all of that kind of thing. Right. Uh, which gives them an unfair competitive advantage in the marketplace. Right. Uh, which serves to retrench their mm -hmm. profits. Mm -hmm. So all this exploitation just goes back into the system, mm -hmm. which gives them increasingly more unfair competitive advantages, which gives them increasingly more sales relative to their competitors, right. which means they can hire more people whom they underpay, which makes their competitive advantage go up more, and it just keeps going. It's like the opposite of a virtuous right. cycle. And, the, and like the, the, the executives of that company have accrued a lot of wealth over the, uh, over the course of what you just described mm -hmm. happening. And so that, that's what you're saying. Like, like the, the people who are just the, I'm not even talking about the execu executives. I'm just talking about the company itself. Amazon itself. Oh, just the company. Just the, yeah, let's, let's leave the executives aside mm -hmm, for a second mm -hmm. and then let's come back to them. But like just <laughs> executives aside, Amazon is an extraordinarily wealthy company. Mm -hmm. It is worth hundreds of billions of dollars. Mm -hmm. And just the corporate value, right. that has been built by stealing money from labor. That's right. where that corporate value comes from. Right. So much, much of it, not all of it, because like I said before, they are also really great at like large scale sales, mm -hmm. you know, and mm -hmm. warehousing. They're mm -hmm. geniuses at that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, so what if they were worth $200 billion instead of $700 billion? <laughs> right. Would that be okay? What, when is enough enough? Right, right. And if, the, if a company of that, of that size and with that much power isn't going to like voluntarily give all of their employees actual an actual living wage and healthcare and you know the security that comes with you know good benefits and that kind of thing if they're not going to do that voluntarily well then those you know the population re relies on public services to fill in the gaps for themselves yeah. at the very least we need to be taxing those those kinds of corporations at a much higher rate than we currently are yeah. and, and honestly there are some plans being put forward in congress right now uh, the american jobs plan and uh, what is the one that that's coming after that uh, i can't remember what it's called but the american are, more jobs plan <laughs> yeah. maybe it's called the american families plan mm -hmm. but these are two 
two uh, plans sort of attached to the idea of rebuilding the infrastructure of the United States mm-hmm. um, from, you know, what we traditionally think of as infrastructure, like roads, bridges, and things like that, but also to like... It's like 1800s know, version of infrastructure. In, but also it, the infrastructure of like... of, of um, uh, clean, broadband. clean water pipes <laughs> and, and yeah. broadband for all people and, and care and so yes c- care care facilities and workers to care for the aging population that mm-hmm. you were just describing so these plans actually to pay for them the, they have proposed there's a proposal to to bring back because at one time corporations were taxed at a much higher rate and at one time wealthy people in this country were taxed at a much higher rate than they currently are we're talking to- 90% over a certain dollar amount and granted that was a super high dollar amount like 10 million dollars or something but seriously who needs more than 10 10 million dollars a year right so these new these new tax increases for the wealthy and for corporations that have been proposed to pay for these things that we desperately need in this country to meet people's needs these are not these are not new taxes these are these are just bringing back not even not even the full amount of what they used to be it's it's getting back a little bit closer to what they were not long ago in order to pay for the stuff that we need. But let's let's remember that like in the most what what people would consider some of the most prosperous times in the United States where like the economy was booming and people were buying houses and like stuff with people, you know, a magical were, time known as the 50s. Yes, the 50s and 60s. Like the, the tax rates for wealthy people and for corporations was really high. Yes, it was. And so because at that point then, you know, we were investing in people's needs. We were investing in making education affordable. You know, I I saw a tweet from Elizabeth Warren today who was comparing her education at the University of Houston versus this other person who recently yeah. went to University of Houston. And she paid $50 a semester to get yeah. a degree from University of Houston. Yeah. This person is just drowning in debt yeah. for the same kind of degree. Because you're probably paying $10,000 a semester. Right. And that's like the, the in-state rate right. or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So my point and the whole thing that set us off on this on this trajectory is that there is enough yep. out there. We need to make decisions as people and, de- and demand from our leaders that they make decisions to redistribute the resources in a fair and equitable way. The central issue here, of course, is that you know taxing the rich and taxing corporations is very unpopular with the rich and with corporations. <laughs> you don't say. No, it is. It is. They dislike it. Uh, because, just because they dislike it doesn't mean that we shouldn't do it. But however, oh gosh, there totally. is an issue because the rich and corporations are who pay for politicians' campaigns. Yes. Right? So we need to mount ever stronger grassroots campaigns. Like we have proven over the last couple of years in a few different instances that when there is enough grassroots popular pressure, you can make things happen Mm. politically at the national level that Mm. are unpopular with wealthy people and with corporations. Mm -hmm. But there has to be a disproportionate amount of pressure. Mm. You can't just be like, well, obviously it's the right thing to do because yes, of course it's obviously (laughs) the right thing to do. And And it's the most popular thing too. Yes, and it's also like overwhelmingly like 70% Mm -hmm. across Democrats and Republicans popular Mm -hmm. like the american jobs plan Mm -hmm. it it enjoys something like 54 percent popularity across both political parties the the portion of the plan that says that it will be financed by taxing the wealthy is 58 (laughs) percent it's more popular than the plan itself yeah like everybody (laughs) democrats and republicans are like yeah no screw those guys (laughs) they're obviously stealing from us like let's make those make those guys pay up that's it. Yeah. T- yeah. Yeah. So where the hell were we? Well, 
There is an F. Oh, it's a USDA. That's it. The USDA. Yeah. Yay. We're taking it's, the money. We're feeding kids. It's good. It's really good. Yes. Let's do more of that. Yep. Um, and, you know, we, this last week, we usually talk at this part of the podcast about what our experience was. Honestly, I, I for me, it was just working on the song. That's and it. It was a tough one for me. I'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah. That's all I did. I, there's nothing else to report in my world. I mostly did that, but I also did some work from other people. It was an international week for me. <laughs> I, I mastered some music. I mastered a, a single for a band from Peru Whoa. Uh, that I've been working with for like the last five years on and off. I have this mm-hmm. whole little side hustle mastering records for people from South America, which I love. I love it too. And whenever I hear the word Peru, I, I hear the voice of my high school Spanish teacher who was from Lima, Peru. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> oh, how wonderful. And he loved Linda Ronstadt. Oh, man. He would play Linda for us in class. That's like my, uh, that's like my seventh grade French teacher who was from Randolph, Vermont. <laughs> not like that at all. Oh, no. Okay, what else no. did you, what was else inter- International Week? What else? But she had spent some time in Paris. Okay. At least a semester. <laughs> That's good. Uh, and also, I mastered a song for a singer-songwriter from Sweden. That's right. So you, you were all over the map. It was Intercontinental Week, not I, just international. I very lo- exciting, yeah. Very cool. It was really cool, though. I, and I love it because, like, neither of these songs was in English. Like, one of them was yeah. in Spanish and one of them was in Swedish. Yeah, yeah. Which is really great because, like, it's an interesting experience to listen in a very detailed and intimate way mm. to music made in a language that you don't speak mm. because you have to infer the communi- the thing that's being communicated. Right, right? yeah. And there's so many non-word cues yeah. in sung communication. Yeah, oh, absolutely. You know, and it's really just like using a different sense, like a different part of the same sense. Yeah. It's weird, like most people have six senses. Maybe I have like seven or eight because my hearing, like there's three different parts of it. That's interesting. <laughs> you know, there's, there's some... like verbal, nonverbal, and probably a third one, like TBD. Maybe we all have that. I mm-hmm. think we do all have that. In fact, like I know for me, when I'm working on writing something and I need, I need to concentrate on like the words that I'm thinking while I'm, while I'm writing a paragraph or something on my computer, if you start playing music that has uh, that has singing in English in yeah, it, yeah. I it makes it really hard for me to concentrate on the words I'm writing. Me too. And if you play something on, like you're sitting next to me and you start a video where someone's speaking, that's even worse. Oh, yeah. Like there's these different levels of like where my brain tunes into things, yep. you know? And uh, so maybe we all have various levels of hearing. Yeah. And some people like are really, really good at like separating that out and tuning it out. You know, you could be playing a video right by and they wouldn't even notice. Mm, I am not one of them. I like you. I'm so tuned into the voice. Yeah. Same. Mm. Same. Well, let's take a break and let's come back after the break and talk about The Shadows, um, which is the newest song from 2020-101 that came out on Tuesday. Um, Looking forward to talking about that. Playing it for you. Back in a sec. See you soon. I literally said that like four seconds after we took off. (laughs) The magic of podcasting. Oh, it's so exciting. Uh, The Shadows. Yes. Do you have it queued up on the phone? That's a thing I could have done during the break. You could have done that. Um, Would have been a good choice. I will just uh, It's a choice I didn't make. Actually, I do have it queued up. I will pre-introduce. This is the latest song from 2020-101, which... 
as you probably know, if you've been paying attention to what we're up to, uh, is an album of 11 songs that we are writing, recording, and releasing one at a time mm-hmm. every 10 days for 101 days. So Seems uh, like such a good idea when we thought of it. It is a good idea. <laughs> it is. It's just it is. very intense being in the middle of it. Uh, today is officially day 71, which means we have song eight out. Because mm-hmm. uh, the saying, first song came out on day one, people. But honestly, there were like 10 more days before the first song. Right, right, right. But, so it's really more of like a 111-day project, but that's not as catchy. <laughs> So, uh, we are writing these songs on themes that I uh, sifted through and drew out of the stories that we collected at the end of last year um, from people in our communities who shared what their experience uh, of 2020 was. Yeah. Um, and uh, we will we will talk a bit more about uh, this particular one, but you know, um, all the all the stuff that we're, that were that I'm writing songs about came from not my own experience, although some of them do resonate with my own personal experience in a lot of ways, uh, but they came from the experiences of, of the over 100 people who submitted um, stories about their their experiences. That's right. This and- is data-driven people. So this isn't <laughs> Shannon being like, what do I want to write about about 2020? This is our community suggesting what it is that Shannon should write about for 2020. Yeah, yeah. So let's introduce and play The Shadows. Let's do. Um, we hatched the initial vision of this album, uh, this album project back in the spring of 2020, at which point we thought it was going to be a project centered on people's experience of the global historic event of the pandemic. But as the months of the year rolled on, it became apparent to us that the significant events of this extraordinary year, which all of which were indeed in some ways colored by coronavirus, they sprawled out beyond the scope of the pandemic itself. So it became apparent to us that in order to truly reflect our collective experience of this time, this project may need to expand in scope as well. Given that aim, when we started our research and began asking questions about people's experience of the year, we kept the questions as open-ended as possible. Questions like, what were your top three most significant experiences of 2020? What were the sources of your greatest hardships and greatest joys in 2020? And what were some things you learned about the world or about yourself in 2020? And these questions surfaced answers from many people in our community that revealed their personal experience with the racial justice awakening that we witnessed across the nation in the wake of the murder of George Floyd. People shared with us how they became more aware or aware for the first time of the inequities experienced by people in nearly every facet of our society that are directly mapped to race, like in policing and public safety, income and wealth, clean air and water, healthcare, education, voting, banking, housing, the list is long. (laughs) People shared with us how they felt compelled more than ever before to begin or to dive deeper into an examination of the causes of those inequities and that they learned just how deeply embedded each of them is in the scaffolds around which our entire society has been constructed. About how the world historic wealth of this country was built upon stolen land and upon the backs of peoples of, of people whose lives, labor, and freedom were stolen. About how we as a nation have never made amends or reparations for those original sins. Mm. About how those of us who live in white skin benefit from the hierarchy that those structures have created and reinforced since the founding of our country. About how we as individuals have harbored racist ideas, often without even realizing that's what we were doing, that have served to give cover to, excuse, and support 
the racist structures that perpetuate injustice. About how when we deny that we as individuals have a responsibility to examine our own racism, we provide exactly the food that keeps injustice alive and makes it grow. That denial of our own racism preserves a status quo that is oppressive of and harmful to and often violent toward entire groups of people. And about how our refusal to look at the shameful parts of our history, our unwillingness to inspect the dark corners of our own minds, our failure to dismantle the systems that ensnare and oppress so many people is a surefire way to ensure the eventual demise of our society itself. And there's a quote here from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. that's very appropriate. It's, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Mm. And or like Dr. Ibram Kendi describes in his transformational book, How to Be an Anti-Racist, racism is a stage four metastatic cancer living in the body of our society. We can choose to deny that it, that it exists, but if we do that, we will witness the destruction it will bring to every part of our body politic. It will take us down if we don't fight like hell to take it down first. And as we heard from people in our story collection, as well as learn from our own personal experience, this is not easy work. Mm -mm. Eradicating racism in ourselves and in our society requires heaping helpings of humility to examine where and how we've gotten it wrong. Curiosity to look beyond our own experience. Openness to listen to those who have been engaged in this work for a long time. Compassion to take on our neighbor's plight as our own. Willingness mm. to do the work to change ourselves and our world. And persistence to keep doing those things over and over and over again until the work is done. And imagine the beauty, prosperity, and peace that we will all get to enjoy when a critical mass of us become humble, curious, open, compassionate, willing, and persistent enough to create a just world. That's a vision worth doing the work for. There is one quote from our story collection that spurred the idea behind the central metaphor of this song. I still have to clear out all my racist cobwebs that are still hiding in my brain's shadows. Yeah, me too. And, you know, I own up to the fact that I should have realized it years ago. Mm -hmm. But knowing now where the shadows exist and just how dark they are, it's way past time to flood this place with light. This is The Shadows. Live here 
face with light great i'm glad you know i this this song kicked my ass yeah you <laughs> writing had it yeah hard time kind of getting going well you know i think i rewrote most of it uh at least a few times yeah. like i i had one version that was totally scrapped and then i started over and i you know and it, it's it kind of feels appropriate <laughs> like here, here here's the thing like i i wasn't i wasn't exactly sure how to approach this topic um, here I am, a white woman, <laughs> writing a song about a racial awakening, a racial justice awakening, right. and and it feels kind of fraught to be to be in the position of of you know of of, of writing a song about that as as a person who lives in white skin, because I, it goes back to that thing you said in the essay about listening to those who have been engaged in this work for a long time, yeah, and the idea of doing more listening than talking, exactly. But when your job is talking, when your job you got to kind of square that circle, yes, exactly. When your job is to write songs and to put ideas to music, yep. Uh, you know, so that was that was a struggle for me. Like I was really battling with that, and and just knowing that I felt like I had a a, 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 a there was a, it was a big responsibility to to do my best to get it right, yeah. and and also then to be able to let go of the worry that I might have gotten some of it wrong. Yeah. You know, like like I'm not a perfect being. None of us none of us are. You know, and so. I, I can show up and I can, you know, I can show up to the work with humility uh, and I can do my best and mm-hmm. I have to accept the fact that sometimes I may get it wrong. I, I'm really gl- I'm really happy with the way this turned out and I'm, I'm really glad for that. Um, I struggled a little bit with, uh, with the idea, uh, like one of the reasons I, I scrapped one of the earlier versions was it, it felt too peppy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like this is not a 
peppy topic. And it's, and and the version I was writing just, it's not like it was aiming for peppy. It just went to peppy. And I was like, no, this doesn't feel appropriate. So I, 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 I actually ended up stripping a bunch of it back and starting again. And then it ended up being this thing that you, like you said, kicks ass, yeah. you know, which again, I was like, is it appropriate for this to kick ass? And like, I've come around to be like, yeah, I think it's okay. Like there's, the, the lyrics are pretty dark, you know? And I think that there's something interesting and subversive about, uh, about housing dark lyrics in a, uh, an, in a, in your face kick-ass kind of song. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, like if, if you're, if it's a catchy song and you find yourself humming around, humming to it, you know, throughout your day and you're happy to be singing lyrics that are like, maybe, you know, mean, have a deeper meaning. That's probably good, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but also I, I, I also have kind of come around to, to uh, accept or, or even like the idea that there is this moment, the, there are these moments, there's a couple of moments in the song where uh, right after the the phrase, it's time to flood this place with light, you know, where it just, that's the kick-ass moment, right? Yeah. Where it's just like, bam, you know? And it's, it kind of feels a little celebratory in, in a way, which feels again like sort of it's that it's maybe in conflict with like the seriousness of the topic and at the same time I think that if we can engage in this work of working toward a a, a just society and and working to to battle against racial injustice if we can approach that work with the joy of of what's possible on the other side of completing that work that's going to be that's going to help us sustain yeah. The work. You know what I mean? And so in that regard, like I, I I'm glad that there's that there's this like propel propulsion, this feeling of propulsion in this song that, you know, um, yes, it's important to acknowledge the very serious nature of the way in which injustice affects the lives of people in our country. Yeah. Like it, you you have to get to those dark places. And also I think the thing that's gonna keep us engaged for the long haul is going to be the joy of the promise of what we can create. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, and also like with any kind of work like this, any kind of social change, any kind of social justice work, like if you're not letting joy lead the way, you're probably doing it wrong. Mm. Well, and again, the doing it right or wrong. Like, like, I think honestly, that is one of the things that keeps a lot of people. And I think it has kept me in my life from engaging is the worry of getting it right or wrong. Yeah. You know, and like, honestly, the only wrong way to do it is to not be engaged at all. Yeah. Everything else, if you are putting one foot in front of the other and walking toward changing yourself and changing the world, like that is the right way. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like sitting back and and there's lots of, I think there, there are a lot of people in our country certainly there, there we can, we can identify the folks that are, hatefully racist. Sure. You know what I mean? Like you can, you know, those that are like overtly white supremacists, Yeah, you know, that, that just spew hate for people who don't look like them. Right. But I think the majority of the people who are, who harbor racist ideas or who, or who uh, in, reinforce racism in themselves and in our society do so not from a hateful place, but from a much more, a much more in the shadows kind of place. Mm-hmm. Like, like, well, no, I can't do this work because I'm afraid of getting it wrong. Mm-hmm. Or, well, no, I can't do this work because it would ruffle too many feathers in my community. Sure. Or, no, I can't do this work because I don't know how. Or Because no, I, I feel in, instinctively and intuitively deeply uncomfortable with about what I might discover in myself. Right. 
There's so many things that keep people from, from engaging themselves in this work. And the only, by, by not engaging, we reinforce the racist structures. We reinforce the injustice that so many people I would, experience. I would even phrase it differently. I mean, you're right. Mm-hmm. But I would even say just as, like, as, as, a, as a way to like extend even more of an olive branch to people who are not sure that this is work they can do because they mm-hmm. feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. If you don't do any work in this realm, what you're reinforcing is the status quo. Exactly. Yeah, but the status quo is racist. Right. So you're reinforcing racism. Yeah. Even if you don't mean to be. Even if you're just like, well, it's not my work. Other people can do it. Mm. I, I I feel supportive of it. I just can't do it myself for whatever reason. Eh, wrong. That's wrong. That's not. <laughs> that's not right. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, mean that, that's a choice you can make. But just it's really important to know that if you're making that choice, what you're making affirmatively is an active choice to support racism. Mm. And here's the thing, like this idea that once once you once you know, you can't unknow. Yeah. You know, like once we, once, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people saw for the first time or in deeper ways this last year, how injustice works in this country. Yeah. And once you know that, once you have been made aware, (laughs) uh, you know, and for a lot of folks, this is, this is, this is white people who haven't had to confront these issues because it's not affected them personally you know, in their own personal lives or in their own communities. But also people of color harbor racist ideas as well because we're all living in a racist society, right? Mm -hmm. We all have shadows to clean out (laughs) in our own brains that reinforce this system, Yeah, you know? But but I think that once 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 you're made aware of how this works, of how racism works to continue to oppress and to continue to be violent against groups of people, then it's just a choice. Then, then you are no longer like you, you. There's no plugging your ears and saying la 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 la. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't hear you. I don't hear you. <laughs> you know, you you've heard. You've seen. And anything you do from that moment on, whether it is action or inaction, that's a choice, mm-hmm. right? And I think that you know, um, we have to reckon with that. You yeah. know, each one of us, like. It's become clear to me that that there are two there are two branches of the work that needs to be done. Clearly, the thing that's going to um, change the world is going to be policy change. Yeah, right. Like those 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 policies that that are just intertwined with the the um, the racist ideas that you know that have existed since the founding of this country. You yeah. know, the idea that. Literally, every every bit of, of prosperity this country has experienced for those who have experienced the prosperity has happened on land that was stolen from the people who were living here yeah. originally and has never been repaid. Uh, and, and from the labor of people, you know, on whose backs uh, it was built and has never been repaid, mm-hmm. you know. The, the, those original sins that we talked about in the intro to the song those those continue in the the threads that make up the the fabric of our society mm-hmm. and in the policies that exist to reinforce that racist and raci- racist injustice right yeah. so the policy is one one arm of what needs to happen the other the other arm of what of the work that we need to do is in our is in ourselves right because i know for me you know as i've started to learn more about how injustice operates in our society i have learned that that when confronted with uh, with how it works, I've had to, <laughs> I've had to undo some of the things that have just been sort of like automatic 
thought processes in my mind. Like mm-hmm. I think I really, I, I think that I spent a lot of my life with the mistaken idea that, um, that there was more crime in areas where black people tend to live because <laughs> they maybe are, are more violent people. Well, that's Turns a, out it's actually because cops police there because can, they think. Hold on. That is a racist idea. Oh, yeah. Okay, I just need to acknowledge that, and I'm sh- I'm, I feel shame sure. over the fact that I thought that. It turns out that that's, that, 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 that that's not the case at all, right? Like, that, that is a false racist myth yeah. that I allowed myself to believe for a long, long time, right? That, that's the personal work. And, to, and to, fill, to clear out those cobwebs and to replace them with truth, the truth that... That, that that like there is unjust policing, like you were about to say, and also that uh, that you know the, the safest communities in the world are not safe, or in our country rather, they're not safe because they have the most police. They're safe because they have the most resources. Yeah. So there's all these other policies related to uh, economics, <laughs> income, and wealth, and how and and housing and education that inform that reality as well. And also, I I think it's really important to note that like the personal and the policy are inextricably intertwined. And that's what I was wanting to get at Mm -hmm. with that comment, right? Is Mm -hmm. the idea that like, there's this myth in America that's gone back hundreds and hundreds of years of how black people are A, more criminal and B, more powerful. So they're like Mm. super predators who are instinctively inclined to do more crime. So police focus more of their patrol time in black neighborhoods looking for criminality Mm. and surprise, surprise, they find it. And then also like when you get a black person Mm. into the criminal justice system, the criminal justice system has been designed by racist people who think that black people are more deserving of punishment to be disproportionately punitive toward people of color. Mm. And so all these things combine to create this sort of recursive situation in which way more black people get arrested for crimes in black neighborhoods and prosecuted for crimes, mm-hmm. which then definitely does make it so that the crime statistics are that they're, that black people are more criminal. Right. Well, and I think it's, you know, going back to the idea that there are, there are definitely, we can identify the, the hateful racists, and there are certainly some of those who have been uh, instrumental in designing the systems that you just described. Yeah. But there's a whole lot more people within those systems who work within those systems to reinforce that injustice, who are doing so not from a hateful point of view, but from a just this is the way it is yeah. point of view. And those are the cobwebs that need to be cleaned out. Yeah. Those are the shadows that need to be illuminated because it's wrong. You know, and, and, and very well-meaning people <laughs> you know people who are are kind folks who aren't hateful racists yeah. enforce reinforce those ideas if they go and examine in their own brains and they reinforce those structures then within the systems that they that they work in you know what i mean yeah so you're right they are all intertwined and we all have a responsibility to address this stuff um so join our anti-racist book and movie, movie club, Misfit Stars. Yeah. <laughs> that is one, I'm honestly really excited. Like, and here's the thing, it's, it's okay. Like I'm, what I'm excited about is learning together. It's not like anybody, any one of us is showing up with the answers. No, We're showing up to sit at the feet of people who have been studying this and examining this for a lot longer than most of us have. Yeah, And listen and learn 
and then figure out once we've listened and learned what we're going to do about it. Because here's another thing. You can listen and learn all you want in the comfort of your own home and decide not to do anything. Yeah. And you're still reinforcing the racist systems that oppress people. Right. So like it has to go beyond that too but we can do this work together. We can encourage one another. It's like they say in AA, like showing up at meetings is not doing the work of getting sober. The work of getting sober is the steps. And in the exact same way, and like I'm mentoring people right now who are like, they really want to be sober. They really want to be like rid of the thing, Mm. but they're also not willing to work the steps. Mm. They're not willing to do the work. Well, Mm. guess what? You're going to get what you put into it which is precisely nothing. And that's how anti-racism works too. Like you can read all the books and and if you don't change something, if you don't do something, Mm. then nothing will change and nothing will be done. Mm -hmm. This stuff doesn't happen passively. Mm -hmm. You don't get to put reading energy into the world and then all of a sudden there's no racism. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's both and. You got to learn and change yourself and then figure out what you can do in your little corner of the world to affect change. Yeah. And I'm, you know, it's just going to be ongoing work. You and I were having a conversation just last night about how this work is not easy. Mm-hmm. And I wondered if maybe you would share a little bit of your thoughts about, uh, about that. I'm, I'm totally putting you on the spot right now, <laughs> but I thought it was really powerful because just, sure. because it's, it's just important to, it's important to, you know, as people who are committed to hashing things out on this podcast, yeah. you know, it's important to reinforce the idea that we don't know we don't know what the heck we're talking about most of the time. No. We're just doing our best to, to, to figure out how to get it right, right? Yeah, we're not interested in being right. We're interested in getting it right. So, and that involves public screwing up if you do it on a podcast. Right, but I, I thought what you, what you shared with me last night was really powerful. Thank you. And it's just the idea very simply that this work can feel personally intimidating and mm. also personally threatening, mm. you know, because it necessarily involves, you know, self-interrogation. That just abstractly can be an uncomfortable idea, an mm. uncomfortable process for, for people, you know? I know that. That. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, like, it requires scrutinizing every single thing I have assumed about how the world works. Mm. All of many, much of which has benefited me mm. personally, mm-hmm. right? Which then opens up a whole Pandora's box of insecurities. This idea Ugh. that 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 you know where I am at in my life has not necessarily been all earned, <laughs> or not even mostly earned. You know, Hmm. potentially. I mean, I work very, very hard. So do you, we know this, but also like, Hmm. would we be in the position to be able to even do the work that we're doing in the world and be supported by a community if we were black? I don't know that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I have to at very least interrogate it. Yep. Uh, Generally speaking, this work of interrogation, it, it secondarily serves to illuminate. It firstly serves to make me feel very uncomfortable, Mm, you know? mm. And it's like, and that's something I just have to acknowledge. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, this is not easy, simple work. I think if you do it right, probably a lot like sobriety, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Because like the whole point, like if you get sober in a 12-step program, the the 12 steps are a program of action and what they serve to do is to give you a methodical way to step-by-step go through like line by line, mm-hmm. every single thing that has not gone right or well in your life mm-hmm. that you may be holding a resentment or shame mm-hmm. or a deep-seated bad feeling about to really bring it forward, look at it right in the face, make peace with it and get rid of it. It's mm-hmm. by making peace with these things that we can move past these things, right. you know? In sobriety, yeah. And it's exactly, I think, the same way probably in anti-racist work. Like we have to like exhume all these like buried assumptions, mm-hmm. look at them right in the face, yes. figure out what to do with them. And until we do that, we will not be able to move past them personally mm. or 
on a societal level. Absolutely. But it's really difficult work because it really requires looking at myself in a deep way and being like, how do the things that I believe and how do the actions I take support racist structures, mm. right? And it doesn't mean that I am personally a bigot. You're I not am, a hateful racist. I am <laughs> not, and I really don't like to, I, I really want to be clear about using the word racist and bigot differently. I, your journey with this may be different than okay. mine, but I don't just say racist about a person. I say bigot about a person because I think that like I am racist, and I am not a bigot, but that's the difference. Racism is about systems. Bigotry is about personal I beliefs. I get that. I get that. But you have, you. I have racist ideas. There are there have been times in my life, and there still are times in my life, if I'm not working against racism, that I am employing racist actions. Like, I, I'm being racist. Yes. You and can, that's the thing I just said about myself. I don't know if you, like, yeah, I get picked it, up but, on that. But I, I, I understand. But, like... But like, no, but I, I use is, the word racist it an, about myself to describe the ideas I have that support the systems. I, I don't think that it's, I don't think it is useful to give people labels like you are stamped as this, you are a racist. Because all of us can be racist in one moment and anti-racist in the next, right? Yes, that's so right. I think that's the distinction, right? So, well, and also, I mean, like one thing that I have learned and I'm just barely dipping my toe in, you're ahead of me on the Kendi stuff, right? But something I've learned from him is that one of the most powerful slights of hand that happened over the last 150 or so years was turning racist from an adjective describing systems into a slur describing people. So it becomes uncouth socially to refer to someone as a racist because you are insulting them. Right. And we have to get I'm back sure. away from that. We've got to reverse that because and we need because the word racism properly applied does not refer to people it refers to systems it refers to systems and ideas and actions That's right. that people do That's right. so it is it is also as important to reclaim that word in the descriptive way it is not a slur it is a descriptor That's right we, and that's what that's, can be, that's the route that I'm coming okay. to this from I when I try to delineate between personal bigotry and systemic racism And the way that I would describe that is like uh that 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 uh, 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 that there are people who there are definitely people who are absolutely bigots that have hateful ideas about other people, mm -hmm. right? Um, but there are a lot of people who don't have hateful ideas about other people who are still acting in racist ways. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And like those are the ideas about myself Got that it. I consider racist. So when I referred to myself two or three minutes ago mm -hmm. as racist, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah, that's what I meant. Got it. I'm with you. Right. Yes. I was talking about the racist ideas that I have buried deep inside of me. Yeah. And it's again, this is, these are not hateful ideas about black people. These are ideas mm. I have about ways in which the world works yeah. that serve to put people of color down and to lift white people up. And to reinforce the structures that are unjust. Yes, yeah. that's right. Mm -hmm. So when I referred to myself as a racist, that's what I meant, people. Mm -hmm. I don't mean that I'm a hateful bigot. I mean mm -hmm. that I have racist mm -hmm. ideas within myself. Yeah. Uh, and that have been passed on to me through generations and generations and generations. Just it's just it's broad. It's not even spoken. It's just this is how the world works. Yeah, they're foundational assumptions of my life as a white person on this planet, mm -hmm. in this country. And and to be fair, there are the people. Anyone living in this country is subject to absorbing those racist ideas, including in, black people, including all people of color. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, like, honestly. Most, if not all, of us have this work to do. Mm -hmm. the, you know, folks of a, those of us who are white have another layer of work to do because it's also we amends. To, yeah, under we have to understand the privilege that we have received in the hierarchy that the system has created. Uh, yeah. So yes, this is this is hard. I I think that the, your your um, comparison to recovery is just a really 
apt one. Mm. Like it's, I feel like the like anti-racist work is very similar to recovery work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and especially when, you know, um, Ibram Kendi says the heartbeat of racism is denial. Mm-hmm. I mean, does that sound like it's straight out of recovery talk? Totally. It absolutely does. Like the heartbeat of, of, of alcoholism or the heartbeat of, of codependency is denial. Absolutely. <laughs> to, if you can't, I mean, the first step is admitting yeah. <laughs> to the problem, yeah. right? And in the same way, like to deny that we have an issue with this, to deny that we as individuals have an issue, to deny, to deny that we as a country have a problem is the thing that keeps the problem alive. Yep. You know? Um, yeah, if you can't talk about it, you can't fix it. Right, right. Period. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. I really oh, sure. appreciate it. And uh, and those of you listening, you know, um, <laughs> what what are you going to do? Yeah. What are you going to do? Uh, what's, what's the next right thing for you to do? I mean, you know, one of the things I think that I was, I was thinking about this earlier, one of the things that can keep people from doing the work, oh, I can't do the work because I don't have the time. My life yeah. is very busy. I have kids. I've got a job. I've got, you know, yeah. all these things. What if part of what you, uh, your, your, you know, uh, growth in this area is instead of watching a Marvel movie on Friday night, pick a movie that, that discusses you know, racial injustice. There, there are films out there. I've been wanting to watch Judas and the Black Messiah. Yeah, we're in a, a we're in a golden era right now of like black directors, black filmmakers actually being given resources by studios to make these movies. Right. Really, I mean, not for the first time ever, but like there's a lot of it happening right now. So there's actually a lot of these movies that you can go find. Right. So like, I mean, even even those of us who are really busy, we do we we read books yep. for enjoyment. What if the next book you chose? Even if it, even if you are if you only read fiction for enjoyment, oh my gosh, there's so many great fiction books. Go that, read a Colson Whitehead book. Uh, you can't go wrong with reading a Colson Whitehead book. The Underground Railroad was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, Yar Jossi uh, wrote a book called Homegoing. It's it's a historical fiction, beautifully written. I mean, both of these authors are just incredible re- writers. Beautifully written fiction. So you're in a story, but you're but I learned so much yeah. from you know from that. So even if you feel like you don't have the time to do this work, figure out how you can incorporate it into your life. It doesn't have to take your life over. Right. But what if it were just like a new thing that you just kind of added in? And yeah, maybe you have to displace some other junk foodie part of your life. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. Yeah, absolutely. There's there are ways that you can be engaged in the work. To- you know, in terms of how you spend your money, you know, like where you spend your money. Yeah. At what kinds of businesses do you spend your money or don't, or causes that you donate to, you know, you could, you can direct some of the money that you give to charitable organizations to causes that are, you know, uh, supporting uh, racial justice. Go eat, a, uh, go eat at a black owned restaurant in a black neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. And there, there are ways to engage, um, you know, even if you feel like you don't have the time to do it. Um, that, that you can make little little choices in your life. And it, it, honestly, I think that when you make those little choices, it's gonna, if you are, if you are an open-hearted type person, it's gonna want, you're gonna want more. Yeah. You're gonna want more of that as you do it. Because, um, because just like with recovery, it feels good to get right. Yeah. It feels good to get yourself more, more aligned with, with, with what's right. Yes, it does. You know? Um, like it's like a spiritual alignment. It really it's is. It's like spiritual chiropractic. <laughs> Yeah. You know what I mean? Totally. Like you really, like you can sense just intuitively when things in your life are lining up in a better way. Yeah. I mean, like just, just look at our, just look at the state of our country right now 
and all the turmoil that we've been experiencing over the last how many years? Like, we need a spiritual alignment in this country. Like, we're, it's clearly not working out for us <laughs> to maintain the status quo. Yeah. You know, we, we, we need to address this stuff. The, the more we try to, to shove it down and say it's not a thing and not actually do the work to address it, we're, we're already seeing how the more, it's the more it metastasizes. Tear. Yeah, and we're already seeing it tear the fabric of our society apart. Yep. And that's you know? the metastasis. Yeah, absolutely. We are we are seeing it happen already. So anyway, I don't even know how to sum this all up, but uh, I don't know that you need to. Okay, I, do, I guess I don't know. You I like don't, you like things tied with a bow, but sometimes do. that's not how life works. Life is often not tied with a bow, and yeah. that's okay. Um, but you know, I I, I will say this. Um, when I culled through the stories that people shared for 2021, when I was first creating, you know, the list of themes that we were going to address with each of the songs, I have to say, I feel proud of the fact that we are in community with people who have, uh, who were willing to say, yes, this last year, I had a big growth point in this area yeah. of racial justice. Like, I feel, I feel proud of the fact that I know folks who are, um, who are examining their, themselves in this way. Um, and I'm, I'm glad, I'm happy to be in community with those of you who are doing that. And yeah. and so, yay, thank you. If you're listening to this podcast, you're our community, by mm-hmm. the way. Like, we don't just mean people who are, like, actively supporting us via Misfit Stars. Uh, you know, the, the Misfit Stars thing, that's just a way for people to get deeper with us, yeah. you know? Uh, this anti-racist book club being a new big part of that. Uh, if you want to be part of our anti-racist book club, great. Sign up. You, you, you'll support our work by doing so. It's not expensive. Uh, it starts at five bucks a month. Uh, you know, you can do more if you are flush, if you are doing well in your life, please do. You know, uh, aggregating community and doing good things with it is part of how Shannon and I support ourselves, and we would love to have you involved. Uh, but in the spirit of not asking for something without also being willing to give, we will give you the anti-racist book club. <laughs> you know, <laughs> this is not something where you just support us and get nothing. Like, we are working all of the time, full time, to make your life a better place mm, if you're listening to our voice. We're trying to do that, yes. Yeah. yeah. So come join us, you know. We would love to learn to be slightly less racist with you. <laughs> or a lot less racist. Yeah, right? I don't, you know, it's better to set small expectations sure, and yeah. then blow way past them than to set huge expectations and fail to reach them. <laughs> okay. I think just like creating positive conditions for like self-reinforcement yeah. is really healthy. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Baby steps. Yes. Baby steps are always good. Yeah. Yeah. You all, thank you so much for listening today. Um, this has been a great conversation. Thank you for that too, Jamie. You and too. Uh, we'll be back again next week with another podcast. Um, we will not yet have a new song next week because uh, the next song for 2021 comes out on May 7th. A Friday. Which is Friday, May 7th. Yes. Uh, but next week we'll have a new podcast out. And so uh, we'll, we'll see you then. Woohoo. Um, until then, take good care of yourselves and be good to each other. Yeah, we love you guys. We'll see you soon. See you. Bye.